TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. I just read a great article to you in the last half hour by David Marcus of The Federalist. Of course, couldn't read it all to you. I, I posted the link on Twitter and Facebook for you to read. But more importantly, right now, we have David Marcus of The Federalist and the Blue Box Theater in Brooklyn on the line. David, are you there? I am, Michael. How are you doing this morning? Good, good. Dude, you can write. You know how to write. A lot of, not a lot of people out there know how to write. You know how to write, my friend. Well, I do my best. <laughs> On my lap a little bit. <laughs> well, tell, I mean, the story is so, you paint a picture. I mean, you don't just draw one, you paint one. And it's colorful, and I can even smell things. Um, including your Arabica coffee, which you really need to get with the pour-over coffee thing. You know. No, I know. It, it is very, it's excellent coffee, though. <laughs> Tell me what it's, that must have been one of those moments that just, just turned you, just, you got it. You understood what this was all about. That must have been an interesting morning, the morning after the election. Yeah, it was actually, I, I think it was two or three days after the election. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody in the store got it. When Sweet Home Alabama started playing, um, People were pretty raw in New York City and Brooklyn, most parts of Brooklyn anyway, in particular. Um, they were very shocked by the results. And you could just see in people's faces and the sort of conversations and stuff. And when that song came on in the fairway, um, it was just a trigger to almost everybody in there. I, now, I, I'm a conservative. I, I wasn't really a Trump supporter, so I, I didn't really have a dog in the fight. I, I found it more amusing than anything else. But... Yeah, I mean, people heard that song, and it really was like that other America sort of mocking them uh, and and mocking the fact that uh, Donald Trump's going to be their president. And it's interesting how, you know, I love that line where they asked the poor clerk to turn that stuff off, and and she doesn't know how. In fact, nobody knows how to turn it off. It just, they can't turn it off. The the song keeps playing, and, and, and without dragging this, uh, you know this uh, out too much, but um, there are a lot of people singing along out there. Yes, and I think that that was unclear um, to people in New York City in general, um, because the the bubble is very real, and and not only not only do we live in a bubble in Brooklyn and New York City, but we produce so much of the culture that the that the country imbibes that it's very easy for us to fool ourselves into thinking that the rest of the country is just like us, and, and they clearly aren't. It's interesting because Cup call. Yeah, there was a story written shortly after one of those Saturday Night Live, uh, who has been pretty funny. Um, there was a story, I think it was New York Times, in fact, that said Saturday Night Live is channeling all of our frustrations with this election. And I think that they just don't understand that Saturday Night Live, being you know from New York City elite, doesn't really channel anything else. They don't channel flyover country, uh, which is what elected Donald Trump. 
No, and, and really very little in our culture does. You know, one, one thing I've been pointing out to some of my liberal friends who are, you know, suddenly very upset about the notion of the Electoral College and, and the notion that, um, that we don't elect a president based on one man, one vote, that, that these, these flyover states have an outsized um, uh, political impact, is while that's true, New York and Los Angeles have a very outsized cultural impact. And that's something that the rest of the country just sort of has to, to accept. Right. Uh, in their daily lives, when they turn on primetime TV, when they, you know, when they're engaging in culture, it's really coming out of New York and L.A. So, you know, I, I understand the frustration that Clinton supporters are feeling now, but the rest of the country has to deal with a lot of stuff from us as well. Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Marcus from The Federalist, but he's also creative director of Blue Box Theater in Brooklyn. And David, I want to ask you. I mean, we've seen a lot of disintermediation here. That's a lot of syllables to mean that, you know, technology and, and the times have have kind of converged in a way that, you know, re, you know, reporting is different. Newspapers are smaller. You know, a lot of things have changed. We're not, you know, a lot of, you know, travel agents have pretty much gone out of business because of the travel sites on the web, et cetera. David, are, is culture ever going to be created in places besides New York and L.A.? I mean, is culture ever going to be created in, let's say, Columbus? It could be, um, and, and, and it is to some extent. I think what happens is content creators and artists naturally want to go to these hub areas where, where they're going to have more opportunity. But and Arabica coffee, things, right? I mean, exactly, but <laughs> I, you know, th- there are things going on. Our, our signature series, our theater series, called, which we call Sticky, which is sort of 10-minute plays that take place in a bar, we've done that in New York for years and years, and then a friend of ours moved back home to normal Illinois and said, hey, you know, do you mind if we do it there? Uh, and we said, sure, that's great. So he's been doing it for two and a half or three years now, and they get bigger crowds than we do in New York. Wow. So there are definitely people out there who, who are making art, who are making culture. Um, but, yeah, ultimately, for the stuff that gets on TV, for the stuff that, that gets super large audiences, that's, that's going to be filtered through New York and Los Angeles just because that, that's where the infrastructure for it exists. Yeah, you couldn't pick a better place than normal Illinois to try this experiment. But yeah. uh, now let me have the Rosie O'Donnells, the, uh, uh, the, the people who have sworn that they're leaving the country, uh, who live inside the New York City bubble and the Los Angeles bubble. And, and they really, when they tweet, when they say these things, they think America is going to, you know, hurrah, you know, put their hands in the air and say, you're right, Rosie. But every single time they get smacked. And, you know, which brings the question, if the people inside the bubble can't understand Leonard Skinner is, you know, then, and they refuse to understand, they keep making these crazy comments like, I'm moving to Canada. Will they ever get it? I is it possible for this media elite, the entertainment elite, to actually finally understand that the monster vote doesn't believe them? I doubt it. Um, I, I think especially given the fact that um, that Hillary Clinton apparently did win the, the popular vote, um, that, you know, so, so they feel like, in fact, more people were on their side than, than weren't on their side. Uh, and, and, I mean, they don't want to. They don't really have a reason to. And... Not a lot's going to change in, in New York City and Brooklyn. Um, you know, for all the for, for, for all the, the screaming and yelling about you know Trump being a fascist, um, our lives aren't going to change very much. We we choose to live here for fairly specific reasons. Uh, people have for decades, and 
I, I, I don't think that'll change. I think that's a tension that we've had throughout the country's history between our big urban areas and our, our rural areas. Um, and, you know, I, I think we'll always have it to some degree. I think you're right. Now, we're going to go for a commercial break for a minute. You're going to come back with us. And I want, before we go to that commercial break, I want folks to understand that David Marcus has not been a cheerleader for Donald Trump. In fact, as a conservative, from it. yeah, as a conservative, you've been pretty critical. And uh, I, I want to ask you. I was, I was quite critical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, would you consider yourself a never-Trumper? Yes. You do still? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's any point in the moniker anymore, but I certainly, during the election, I was. And, and uh, that's why I think it's great for our listeners to hear you, because uh, after this commercial break, I want to ask you about the contemporary things that are going on right now, the, the possibility of Romney as Secretary of State and some other issues that, uh, that we're all facing with this kind of unusual uh, president-elect, something that we've never seen before. And uh, uh, so, David, uh, you can stick around for a little bit. Absolutely. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, David Marcus wrote this incredible article, uh, brilliant writing, um, and uh, it's interesting to know that it comes from a never-Trumper at, at one time. Read it on my Facebook or on at Michael Caputo on Twitter. I put the link up there for you to read. I really recommend you read it. Um, I hate to color your idea of it, uh, telling you that he was not a Trump supporter, but he doesn't get on Donald Trump in this article. You don't see it there. All you see is good writing. And an incredible painting being, another incredible picture being painted. Michael Caputo in for Sandy Beach here on Beach and Company, ladies and gentlemen. News Radio 930 WBN, 948 in the morning. And we're on with David Marcus of The Federalist, thefederalist.com, right, David? It is, yeah. Now, David, I, I think it's, you know, your article is incredible and, and your, your writing has been uh, great. I've, I've disagreed with almost everything you've said uh, in the past, but I found your, uh, your, your perspective very engaging and, and, and you're, you're always fact based in what you do, uh, on, on the Federalists and other places. Um, how do you see this Romney for Secretary of State thing unfolding? I mean, I, I'm dubious um, that that's going to happen. I, I, I think it's good um, that they're talking. Uh, I think that it's good that um, uh, all different types of conservatives uh, appear to have a, a seat at the table. I, I don't believe the, this notion that, that Trump's somehow trying to humiliate Romney. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I think he'd be a, a good secretary of state. And, and in general, I've liked the the new tone from Trump since he won the election. There's a couple things. The Hamilton thing was, was necessary, although I, I also objected to, to the lecture that, that they gave to, to Mike Pence. So there's been a couple things mostly around Twitter uh, where Trump's discourse has made me cringe a little bit. But um, I'm, glad, I, I'm, I'm glad they're talking. Um, it's interesting. Saying, Do you like the cabinet, though, the way it's coming together? I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I, you know, people keep saying, you know, well, you know, maybe I'll give Trump a chance. Well, it doesn't matter. He's got a chance. It doesn't matter if you if you give him a chance or, or not. So, <laughs> um, I, I, I like Nikki Haley. I, I, I think, um, yeah, these these are clearly competent, you know, good politicians who who are going to be able to do some good things for the country. So, you know, certainly hoping for the best from them. Would Would Romney be your first choice? For Secretary yeah. of State, um, 
I don't know. Um, I, I actually, I, I, I kind of like Petraeus myself, mm-hmm. although, you know, I know that that comes with a, a, a sort of can of worms. But, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Romney could be a, a stabilizing influence on the administration, although I guess Priebus is, is that as well to some extent. So, yeah, I, 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 think, I think bringing Romney in in a significant role would go a long way to uh, easing the concerns that I have and that other people who were never Trump have about his temperament and, and you know, things along those lines. If you were Trump, would you be concerned that Romney would pull the ripcord when the going gets tough, uh, you know, with Trump, let's say, tweeting something about, uh, you know, Afghanistan or whatever? I don't think so. Um, you know, from what I know about Romney, he's, you know, once he's on a team, he's, he's kind of a team player. I mean, he was pretty clear about his feelings towards Donald Trump throughout the election. Um, uh, that didn't really change. And I think Romney's just very competent. I think if you look at what he did with the Olympics, you know, which, which almost nobody's been able to, to pull that off. Um, you know, I think he'll go in and, and he'll do his job. Um, could there be drama? It's Trump. So, of, of course... <laughs> Of course there could be. Well, you know, uh, all through your writing uh, throughout this season, uh, you've been criticizing Trump on with a conservative uh, prism. Uh, you've rejected some of his beliefs as, you know, so far from conservatism. And by the way, you know, Donald Trump is not a conservative. Um, right. You're, how do you well, like, look at your, your results today being announced by Carrier? I know that's a one-off. It's only a thousand jobs. We got to create thirty. We got to create one hundred and fifty thousand, I think, a month to just keep pace with the kind of growth we want. Uh, how do you regard this first carrier announcement? This first announcement of something he's done in carrier. I, you know, I, 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 it's good. I, I, I'm, I'm dubious that that in the long run, sort of the president of the United States having these one-on-ones with companies is, is, is going to be able to, to create enough growth. As you say, it's got to be a lot bigger than that. So clearly we're going to need um, broader policies. Um, but look, I'm not going to look down my nose at a thousand jobs. You know, that's a thousand people who can feed their kids. And, and um, you know, you, you, you have to be willing to give people credit um, when, they're, when they're doing something good. Otherwise, you lose you know, credibility when you're, when you're criticizing things that, that you disagree with. As a conservative, I'm a little concerned about the scope I'm hearing about some of these infrastructure plans that, you know, right. uh, Chuck Schumer is going to get in there and, and make sure that there's plenty of money for New York State, which, you know, is, is good and bad. But, but, you know, we'll see. You know, it, it, could he turn into FDR? Maybe he could. We, we don't know what he's going to be. So um, we really just have to look at his policies as they, as they come out and, and judge them on their own merit. Is, is that the basis of uh, some of the or, or a lot of the never Trump sentiment that we really don't know what he's going to do. In large part, yes, I think that also um, Trump really managed to change some of the basic norms of political discourse in a way that uh, was disconcerting for a lot of conservatives. I think that he said some things early on in the campaign that even five or ten years ago would have been disqualifying that aren't anymore. Um, So I I do think that there's concern about uh, the level of disrespect that he sometimes shows towards people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so inviting that into American politics is something that a lot of us feel is dangerous. Um, Calling people names, sowing that kind of animosity, um, uh, you know, it makes me nervous. 
so let's talk about two really specific instances quickly. You know, I, I watch the Twitter feed as everyone else does. It was an interesting uh, that some reporters yesterday were saying that Donald Trump's tweets aren't newsworthy. They're stream of consciousness. If he puts out a statement on this, then it's news. You should stop covering this stuff, right? I don't know if I agree with that, but that, yeah. let's take one, for example. Uh, the tweet about how if you burn the flag, uh, you should be punished, and it could be something as much as you know uh, citizenship being pulled, you know deportation. Uh, as a conservative, what do you think of that? I, I mean, I, I I think that as Justice Scalia said, you know, I I hate the notion of anybody burning the flag, but the First Amendment gives people the the right to do it. Um, I don't think that saying that's going to hurt Trump. I think most people wish that you could punish people for for burning the flag. Um, at least as the Supreme Court understands it now, we can't punish people for doing that. But that gets to the point about his tweets. What did that tweet mean? Did that tweet mean that he's going to try to, to create a constitutional amendment or pass a law or that this was going to be a policy? Or was this just an off-the-cuff saying, you know, boy, I hate when people burn the flag. I wish there was some way that we could punish people for, for doing that. I don't know which it was. And that's why I think that the news media needs to stop jumping all over these things. Contact his office, contact the transition team, ask for an official statement. Unless you have the official statement, you don't have anything. You, you, you know, he's just, it, it's amusing. It, it, it's not amusing, it, it's him musing. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, yeah, and, and he, really, he really just has them dancing, you know, on a string. Well, listen, David, we're going to go off to our commercial break here, but one quick question for you. Do you wear skinny jeans and have a funny beard since you live in Brooklyn? Don't. <laughs> Point out in the piece, I live in South Brooklyn. There you go. It's in Hearst and Diker Heights and Bay Ridge, so we're a little different down there. <laughs> David Marcus of TheFederalist.com. You're an incredible writer, my friend. Thank you very much for your insight. You have a great day. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.